Welcoming everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends where you found it, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic, or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who's taking it easy on Baylor jokes because he values his marriage. Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? <laughs> you know, I, I I told my wife, I was like, look, I, I you know, I, I could even maybe like get behind rooting for a Dave Aranda Baylor team when they're not playing UT. Like, I, I, I don't hate that guy. Um most of the bad actors from that time are, are, are gone. But this week, no, Gerald, no, you're wrong. It's hate week, baby. Um, no, it's it's really not. Let's just win this game and, and, you know, we won't even have to worry about it. But, yeah, Texas, Baylor, house divided. Um, I know we always say my wife, but your sister, too, the, the, the you know, the, the – the green and yellow and the 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 burnt orange uh, ties deep in the state of Texas. The the let's be honest, the better two of the the uh, this generation of Goodriches did indeed go to Baylor. She also went to UVA uh, for a time as well. So you know, that's either she's, here a, she's a smart a smart person. Very very smart, much smarter than I am. That's fine though. Um, it's not like my freshman football coach who taught her four years prior. Uh, Use that against me on several occasions. It's fine. It's okay. I'm still not. I didn't talk to my counselor about that. No, uh, we're not here to talk about my emotional scars. We're here to talk about, um, well, we kind of are, my emotional scars against the Baylor Bears because Texas (laughs) in a finale game with a chance to go to the Big 12 championship game still on the line as a very handsome and bearded member of this podcast said preseason. Texas has a shot to kind of take care of its business to get to the Big 12 championship game. Now, it's not a play-in game, as I said on multiple occasions, but if Texas wins, they keep themselves alive for the conference championship game. Texas would need a little bit of a help from the team that they beat the pants off of in Lawrence over the past weekend with Kansas beating Kansas State. That would open up the door for Texas to uh, play in the Big 12 championship game. But in order for that to even matter, Texas has to take care of Baylor on Friday, and you know, we we talked about it preseason with 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 Matt from from between two bears. Um, this Baylor team, we didn't really know what to make of them. You know, they were losing a ton of of experienced talent from last year's conference championship team, and we're like, are they going to be a ten win team or are they going to be a six win team? Six and five right now coming into Austin have the opportunity to uh, guarantee a winning season. With a win over Texas, Texas again keeps itself alive in the conference championship race um, and gets to eight wins after going five and seven a year ago. So uh, this doesn't seem like on paper a massively consequential matchup, but there is a lot of nuance and a lot of uh, hashtag storyline for this one. Yeah, I mean, there is simply getting to eight wins in the regular season and for a chance for nine wins in, in a bowl, which is, again, I'd say the healthy part of the bell curve, right? You have your outliers each way with the healthy part of the bell curve assumed that we would be an eight or nine win team if things went you know, pretty well this year. That was a good year. Um, and so this uh, leads to the next thing. You get eight this week, you can look at nine next week if you can win out both of those. Um, 
B. John Robinson, you know, playing his, his last likely game at, at DKR and where he falls in the record book. So you want a good, healthy game there. Uh, Texas hasn't lost back-to-back games uh, this season, which is which is great. Um, now can they do the, the, the winning streak thing in the second half of the season where they win two, maybe three in a row? There's a narrative, Gerald. There's a lot to be talked about um, here. Both these teams are already bowl eligible, so it's not like Baylor is playing for their life. Um, so, you know, uh, with Baylor losing to TCU in a heartbreaker, are they going to be coming down a little bit uh, low? I, I think, you know, I, I, I think TCU is their biggest rival. Maybe we are. I know they also consider Texas a big rivalry game, but maybe losing that one and losing even the outside chance of a, of a Big 12 championship appearance for themselves. Um, maybe they're down a little bit. I don't know. I think Baylor's going to be up for this one if I had to guess. Uh, but I hope Texas will be as well. I don't think Baylor is ever not up for this game. If there was going to be one that they weren't up, it would probably be this one. But Baylor, again, and this is not like a Texas gets every team's best shot thing, right? Because people always take issue with that. But like, but Baylor is a team that I think, and rightfully so, I think um, their fans, their players, everybody likes to beat Texas. And so, um, but coming off of two uh, very different losses, got absolutely housed by Kansas State two weeks ago, 31 to three. And then honestly controlled about 95% of the game against TCU. And then TCU uh, did what TCU does. They can't keep getting away with this we keep saying that but they it seems like they might um 29 to 28 lost to tcu on a last second field goal a lot of confusion on the twitter sphere about this one tcu uh ran their kicking unit with like 13 or 14 seconds left in the game and, and managed to uh really have a a solid and not even rushed attempt at this field goal, which is uh, pretty impressive. Um, Sonny Dykes had some questionable calls in that game, uh, but that worked out really well. And no, it's not an opportunity where the defense has to sub and can slow sub. There is literally an exception in the rule books where if it's a last second field goal, the sub rules don't count like that. Yeah, I, I saw Twitter going back and forth about that. It's my wife and I, she was watching the, the end of this game with me. And, you know, she's a Baylor fan. She she worked for the football team. She's waned in her enthusiasm over the years as she's uh, had a husband so focused on UT. And, uh, you know, just whatever happened with Baylor in her time there was maybe not the best. But you still, you get that, that fire gets lit up underneath you. Um, and, uh, and watching this, I know that she thinks TCU is their biggest rival because she was in disbelief at this. She's like, are they allowed to do that? And I was like, yeah, that it's, it's not smart, but uh, they are allowed to, to do the fire drill um, type walk-off field goal. Like it's brutal. It sucks. There was a player in the background who was like, you know, I thought he was hurt, but I think he was just broken uh, emotionally from it. And, you know, my wife being the empath and, and like big hearted person that she is, Stop being upset for herself and more. She's like that poor guy, and was so sad for him and what he must have been experiencing at that moment. But uh, nonetheless, look. Let me just go one more tangent. If TCU was any other team in the country and they weren't TCU, and maybe they were in another conference somewhere, this would be the most fun team in the country to watch. I would love watching TCU just be dumb and stupid and somehow undefeated and getting away with this BS every. Like it would be if this, fun if it if wasn't this was TCU. Lane Kiffin's team. We would be having a blast. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like Sonny Dykes is likable. Like there's a lot to like, except the fact that it's TCU and their fan base sucks. It's a bunch of actual toads. It's a bunch of like trolls who, you know, 
may or may not there's, have. There are some good ones. We 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 know Tree Blossom's a good one. Right? That's we it. That's the ones. one. That's the one. Uh, no, I, Parker, Melissa. There's there. All of their good fans seem to be in in media. I don't know if they have actual good fans who don't cover the team. Um, but yeah, it's you, you're right. There are they're fine. There are some some fine ones, but I just feel like toads the rest of them but nonetheless we're here to talk high high percentage of toads yeah not tcu baylor it's like it's like a fairy tale book a lot of toads a couple of princesses and we'll keep it moving uh so tcu this year oh and two against ranked teams three and four against teams with winning records thus far number 34 in the fei that's the the opponent adjusted uh rankings there texas sits at number six smp plus has them at number 25 texas at number eight uh there are a team that i don't like and, and i don't mean this to be reductive but like it's hard to pinpoint what they do well because it's kind of just a it's a very dave aranda team where they're just like they're solid at both offense and defense i think the offense is better than the defense this year uh which is an inverse of what it was last year but like Bl- blake shapin they they jettisoned a quarterback jerry bohannon who was in florida this year uh shapin has been fine he's been good completing 66 percent of his passes 14 to 9 touchdown interception ratio um their their running backs richard reese has been good again it's not like he's not lighting the world on fire he's not kendra miller b john robinson but five yards of carry 14 touchdowns is a good clip uh craig williams not too far behind him uh at 503 and four uh, like again especially when you talk about the offense like this feel and and again I'm tr- I I don't mean this to be reductive but it's just like they're a football team and like they're not <laughs> like T- like like TCU is a passing team they're they're a very high octane team Texas has been uh kind of a tempo run team like I Baylor is just a football team it's like it's it is as smooth and featureless as the top of Dave Aranda's head <laughs> gosh that's solid and I mean that as a good thing like it's just balance like I don't know how else to talk about it yeah um Two things, Gerald. Do you remember the like early two thousands mom trend of um, Skechers shape ups? The shape up shoes they had kind of I, a. I do. Yeah, the sole went like that. For some reason, I, I saw Blake Shapen and I thought Blake shape up, and then I looked at his stats, and he's exactly that. Like he's just you know he's a thing that that you know it might work a little bit like that's a pretty yeah someone had a good idea they made some money off it that's good all right that's fine he is the shape up of of quarterbacks um not strength shoes which were the incredible platform shoe of the 90s uh which i ran many times around the block building up my uh my cav game uh with no this this is shape ups more for the mom circuit walking around the mall so that's all you need to know there uh and the other thing is uh, running back Richard Reese is pretty good. Like he's 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 not a, a bad running back. He's he's, he's mid kind of Big Twelve. Um, he he had a couple really big games against Kansas and and TCU where he had thirty carries and and you know not a lot of yards per carry, but got a lot of yards. And so um, there were some Baylor fans chirping that he was the best running back in the Big Twelve a couple weeks ago. You haven't heard him as much. He went four for seven against OU, nine for fifty four against Kansas State, and ten for fifty six against TCU. He's a good running back, right? But they they kind of seem to think they're best when they're multiple. But Gerald, he's stuck between two former football players that no one listening to this podcast knows, but you know. Um, his name is is Richard Reese. There was a running back who was after your time at Samuel Clemens named Randall Reese. Uh, I, I, I know of Randall. Okay, yeah, and, and Ashley married to Ashley King. 
good good friend of the podcast, Ashley King. Shout out to Ashley King, award winning news journalist, former Texas uh, journalism or yeah, Texas journalism alum, uh, who's Texas cheerleader it. too. And Texas Hewlett, yeah. Uh, Sam McLevin's high school stand-up. Uh, and also uh, Richard Reeves, who was, who was, uh, was my quarterback. So where, are you, like, where are you going with this, pulling out the 2009 Samuel Clemens depth chart, sir? <laughs> it's the fact that these are two people I've played, I played all the way from like peewee football with uh, Richard and, and, and Randall Reese and Reeves. And now I have to watch... Richard Reese, uh, who's also 5'9", uh, 175, you know, not a, not a huge guy. And I don't know. I just like it makes me want to root for him. But but again, I also want nothing but bad things uh, in this coming week. I would love like 12 carries for, you know, 21 yards. Um, and, but in, in Richard or Randall, if you're listening to this, um, it's no shots at you. I just I want this particular person who's a hybrid of your names to to fail uh, demonstrably. But no, Gerald, that was a an aside no, that nowhere that, in that rambling, incoherent paragraph was anything that resembled a coherent thought. You just gave me the Billy Madison. We're all now uh, more dumb for having heard. It's the holidays, Gerald. You know, li- li- living it up a little bit. This is those are two players who also play the Thanksgiving uh, game on Sam McClubbins Field on Friday morning uh, in the past. So you know, it, it is topical. Just again to like maybe five listeners tops. Um, but uh, yeah, I-, I will leave it alone. But yes, Richard Reese is a good running back. He's got 14 touchdowns on the season. It's just he's had a little tougher going after he kind of got it going in the middle of the season he slowed down a little so you know he will be their featured back but i think between craig williams and quaylen jones they they have a three-headed monster that whoever's out there they're going to try to do pretty much the same thing none of them are Bijan level talent but all of them are you know plus runners and so i think they'll probably this will be another week where it's two offenses who are looking to establish the run is my guess um i think texas does that better and i think texas stops it a little better so that probably favors Texas and I mean yeah I think that's that's the key to the game if you look at like the split stats for Baylor in their five in their six wins they average five yards a carry 243 yards per game in their five losses four yards a carry 153 yards per game right like that is the key to stopping Baylor really is is uh slowing down the run in um four of their five losses this year uh they just happened to be the uh four games that they were held under 200 yards rushing the only loss that they have that they went over 200 was this last weekend against tcu in a game that by all accounts they should have won but tcu managed to do enough uh to win that football game so like that that to me is is very it's it's in all in all of the stuff that was good analysis from you kyle that like baylor wants to run the ball wants to establish the run there it it is a it is a defensive coordinators uh, squad and so they're going to want to control the game control the pace of the game and really lead through the running backs and so again Texas has done a really good job of shutting down the run we talked about it on Tuesday this is the best run defense of the last five seasons the the run defense for me at Texas is never in question if they play like they did over the last two weeks against against Baylor the ball is going to be in Blake Shapin's arms to win and 
not that he can't do it because they they switched to him because they thought he gave them a better downfield passing threat. But if Texas can shut down the run and Bijan can get going, we'll talk about the Texas offense versus the Baylor defense here in a minute. But like I, I just I feel good about Texas. I never feel good about Texas going into the game. But like if that's how it works out in the Texas defense, the Texas run defense specifically that showed up the last two weeks shows up on Saturday. I, I feel good about Texas's chances. Yeah, there's there's a player on this Baylor offense who I think is interesting to watch as well um ben sims he was a preseason all big 12 like pick at tight end um he has 30 catches for 241 not bad numbers um but only two touchdowns he's 6'5, 260 just a big presence i thought he would be a lot more involved with their offense he has a lot of games with like one catch um so i you know of course our luck would be the last game of the season he has a breakout or something but he's just one weapon that they have to watch in that passing game if i'm shaping um and i'm you know Looking at how how does this Texas defense, you know, where, where's the, the the attack point? It's kind of medium stuff over the middle on you know on downs where they're dropping back a little bit. Um, I think Texas can get pressure on Shapen, and, and so I think they they either blitz or try to again win with the line. They'll they'll get pressure, and and when we've seen you know pressures not converted to sacks by the Texas defense, a lot of times it's quarterbacks who can move a little bit shaping yeah um but who can dump it off and find their checkdowns and so will a big giant you know six five tight end kind of sitting in the middle uh be a threat we saw tech do a little bit with their tight ends against texas so it, it'll be it'll be just one thing to watch uh as we go through the receivers are, are are fine like they have a couple you know again big 12 level good receivers no one no one great no one like they've had in years past where they've had some nfl caliber guys who are really good uh monterey baldwin leads that that unit but i, I think again the, the one just just because he's a big size pretty good hands he's a good blocker as well but uh interesting player to watch on that offense is if they are passing the ball where ben sims uh, lines up and where he is. It's a nightmare matchup. It's why Jatavian Sanders is so good. Now, I'm not saying Ben Sims is Jatavian Sanders, but I'm saying like those types of big athletic tight ends cause problems for defense because they're too fast for linebackers. They're too big for defensive backs, and so it does create uh, a bit of a matchup struggle. But uh, again, I think for me, the matchup I'm watching and what I really want to see is how does Texas shut down the run and when Blake Shapin inevitably does need to pass, does Texas make him look like a Heisman contender? or does this look more like the TCU game? Like those are that is my question. Does does Blake Shapin have his coming out game against Texas like so many quarterbacks seem to do or does the Texas defense play sound enough um, to keep things in front of them? So switching to the Baylor defense, um, again, it's they're good. They're not they they've not been great this year. Um, number forty eight in points per drive, number fifty three in yards per play. Uh, FEI has them as the number forty five defense in the country. S and P plus has them. At, excuse me, SP plus, not S and P plus. SP plus. Sorry, Bill uh, has them at the number forty nine defense in the country. 131 rushing yards per game. Two hundred and sixty three passing yards per game. It's it's again. It's a good, not great defense. And and I think they graduated a lot of that back end skill talent that's now in the in the NFL that really floated them and did a lot of the work last year. Um, but you, you almost expect a Dave Aranda defense to be able to cobble something together and really like whoever they have, like I feel like Dave Aranda is like MacGyver back there. He's like he's like um the turtle version of MacGyver where he's back there just just Bubble gumming and toothpicking together um, a top 20 defense, and it just hasn't panned out this year. They lost a lot on this defensive, this defense 
last year. We, we talked about it kind of in our, in our season preview. Like they, uh, you know, with linebacker safety, like have guys playing at the NFL this year. Like they, they, they lost a lot. And it's not a bad unit, but like you said, it's just they're there. They're going to do some stuff. They're, they're you know, they, they don't get the most sacks. They don't get the most interceptions, but they're okay. Yeah, they're ninth in sacks with 19 uh, in the Big 12. They have 17 takeaways, which is not bad. 13 interceptions, four fumble recoveries, both like pretty good, um, just not elite. Uh, it, you, you don't necessarily know what scares you on this defense, but again, they're a good unit and a well-coached unit, and they're probably not going to just get destroyed, and, and, and it's probably not going to be 250 yards averaging 10 yards a carry type of easy. Uh, it'd be great if it is, again, um, but um, – this should be a, a matchup that Texas can win. This also should be a matchup that Texas can establish the run and they can pound yours and, and we'll see where Roshan is. If it's, uh, if he's as healthy as we, as we hope we're hearing, you know, he's, he's trending in the right direction for senior day that he can get some shine as well. Um, but I think this is, this is a game where you want to see, you know, can yours air it out a little bit? Can he, can he connect? Maybe not a bunch of deep shots, but can he connect, with Whittington and Sanders underneath. Can Worthy run some routes to get him involved? Can they keep getting the ball to Keelan and let him do things in space, right? Is there someone else who's going to step up in the in the passing game or you just focus on the weapons you have and, and maximize it, right? Can we have an efficient but good game from viewers? Can you get 20 completions in this one, you know? Uh, or, or, you know, can you go 18 for 20? Like, he doesn't have to throw the ball a bunch, but can he complete a lot of those? Can they be complimentary? Can we have a really good run game and, you know, we know people are going to gear up to stop it. You saw TCU put nine in the box uh, and, and dare them. When they do that, can viewers, you know, take advantage? It doesn't have to be with the home run, with the medium ball, with the completion, with the sure thing, with the, you know, I like that they're getting Whittington more on the screens, but it also takes him away as a blocker. But can they get it out on space behind some good blockers and get, you know, 12 yards on on a, on a hitch? Like, great, love it. Like, do that. Um, so, I, I would be very curious. This Baylor defense is good, um, but they're attackable in the air. I think, you know, they have safeties and linebackers who are, who are good tacklers and, and Christian Morgan has three interceptions on the year, but it's not the most dangerous defense that's going to, you know, put a bunch of pressure on him or just jump a bunch of routes. Uh, so can they take advantage of that and get a little bit of rhythm going for him? Yeah, and I, I almost go the opposite direction a little bit, Kyle. I feel like this is another like feed five game. Like Baylor, Baylor is Baylor's only stop is stuffing the run fifteen percent of the time, which is um, incredibly low. You want your defense to be doing that way more. Um, they're they're create they're not really creating havoc plays with their front seven. And this is this is the the stat that jumped out to me is that they're giving up almost one point per successful run, which means that they're uh, giving up big chunk plays. Uh, on on the ground, so like I I would love honestly I would love to see this be another Bijan game. Like I would love to see this be another Bijan gets twenty carries, Jonathan Brooks gets to, you know ten or fifteen because we don't know what Roshan's going to do. Like like I I want this to be another ground and pound game for Texas. Um, and again, that limits the opportunities for the Baylor offense to figure something out against your defense, right? Um, so for me, like that is that is another recipe for success there. Um, you know, Baylor has thrived on interceptions this year as well 13 interceptions this year like I, I as much as we want Quinn Ewers to get some sort of uh 
of rhythm in the regular season at DKR before the end of the year, like I would much rather see a win than that. Yeah, and 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 I, and I think if they go to the point where they're passing it forty times, something has gone wrong. Like I said, I mean, even against Kansas, right? You were attempted twenty passes. Like I think even if you're running the ball, just because you want a little bit of balance, he's going to be dropping back. I just wonder, can we get? that to look a little bit more efficient. Can Ewers get a game where he feels confident? Because we might go into a bowl game where, you know, that's going to be needed, right? Like you, you need something uh, to close out the year from from your quarterback. Um, I, I I do think, you know, again, highlight him, celebrate him, let feed Bijan, feed Jonathan, hopefully feed Roshan, give Keelan running, you know, attempts. If we're getting Jaden Blue in there, something's gone right. Like get those guys carries. Great. I love it. I love where our offensive line seems to have taken a step up in the run blocking where they've been traditionally a little bit better um, pass blockers throughout the course of this year. Um, so I, I, I love milking that and really just leaning on on a team. I think that's a great strategy. I just think no matter what, there will be times. And again, if they're going to look, Aranda's very smart. If they're going to look at what TCU did to stop Bijan to only get him 12 carries, it was put nine guys in the box where it's just like, it's stupid to not try a couple passes against that. You just have to be able to complete them. Can they complete them? Can they get the one-on-one coverages and win those matchups, both with the receiver and the quarterback and make them respect that where you can actually get Bijan the ball and he can have those fun runs that we all love and not have to, you know, fight four guys before he gets to the line of scrimmage. Yeah, I would be, I, I know they don't like TCU very much, but I would be uh, shocked if Aranda does not run the TCU uh, scheme. Has Baylor run much three high safety this year? Uh, because I I wonder if that's, again, that's always something I'm like, is, is a team just going to add a third safety out there uh, against Texas? Because it's been really, really successful against the Sarkeesian offenses. So um, special teams, Weirdly, they've only attempted nine field goals this year, which is which is weird. But like, other than that, the special teams is pretty negligible. They do have an advantage in field position. Opponents are starting on the 23, 22 yard line instead of the twenty five. So like that is uh, an advantage for them. Um, which again, field position in a game like this, they could kind of be a slow it down defensive battle is a good thing. So I, I'm curious to see what the special team units look like. Yeah, and, then, and uh, you know, it, it'll be very interesting because uh, Baylor's not a great – they have a, they took one punt return back, I believe, and so that's, you know, floated a lot of their average, but they're, they're one of the worst kick return teams in, in conference. Um, Texas should have a plus because they're, they're good at covering both of those and, and they're pretty good at returning both of those. So Texas should, you know, should help with the field position with – their returners versus Baylor's returners. But uh, again, Baylor has broken one uh, this season. I think it was in the early games, but uh, but nonetheless, um, just one thing to, to watch out for there because Trejo, his only punt, yes, it was windy, but his only punt against Kansas was 23 yards. We've said he's a really good punter who's just not physically, he's not five-star gifted with his leg. Like he can't boot it 60 yards deep in the air. He's just really good at being a punter. Some of that is taking coaching and, and having just – kind of natural skill, but he, he does a lot of things well. He just, one of them isn't, you know, a leg that, that punts at 80 yards. Uh, so after a 23-yard performance, I wonder, you know, are they going to go for it a little more on fourth downs where it's close or are they going to be punting? Um, hopefully we don't get in that situation where we have to find out. He is a machete, right? Like it's not the the uh, most precise tool. It's not the most powerful tool. <laughs> but when you need to hack something up, just go at it with the machete. So, Kyle, I think it's that time. The pivotal. It is fourteen to thirteen. I lead the pod. Stradamus. 
picks currently. You still have that one in the bag, so I need to pick up an extra this week to just make it a no-doubter. But, Kyle, what's your first Potsdamas pick for the regular season finale? So when you look at what uh, Bijan was able to do last week, and it was it was pretty incredible, you know, generally, right? We we, we know that we spent a lot of time talking about that. Um, you also saw Texas control the game, right? They controlled um, the time of possession in that one. They only have done that against OU and, and Iowa State. And like you said, if they run it and keep the other offense off the field, that's good for both units. Um, so I think they are going to run it. I do think Bijan is going to be the focal point. Um, when you look at you know, even his his other two games besides TC where he didn't go over 100 yards, he still went over 100 total yards in the past game, Alabama, 73 yards receiving ULM, uh, 40 yards receiving. So he's had 100 yards every game except TCU. So what I'm thinking for this one is he came off 200 yards the last time he did it and only got 29 total yards. That was TCU. We saw what they did. That was an outlier, we think. Coming off 243 yards, I think that Bijan is going to get 150 total yards. Uh, I think get a lot of that in the run. He might get a pass or two and a touchdown. TCU also held him without a touchdown uh, for only the second game uh, this season. Iowa State also uh, did that, though. He was 160 yards, but had zero touchdown. I think in this one, he will get at least 150 with Baylor keying everything on him and a touchdown. I think he will find the end zone. Okay. So my Potsdamas pick actually probably sets up yours as well. Like I said, the Baylor run defense has given up some some big runs this year. And, and again, it's weird to see that against a Dave Miranda team. But uh, I think that Bijan will have two two rushes, uh, two rushes that we consider explosive. So two big rushes of 20 yards or more. All right. I like that. Um, Synergy, we call that. That's right. That's right. Uh, I hope Bijan gets 11 rushes of 19 yards. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, all right. So defense, I, I got burned on this last week, and I know this is this has been your domain in the past, but I feel I feel more comfortable that Texas, after you know, even though TCU wasn't a win, their 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 defensive line whipped the TCU offensive line. This is a good Baylor offensive line. They have a scheme that they kind of recruit and fill positions for that. They're good. They're not a traditional, just huge line the way Kyle Flood likes them. They're kind of that zone blocking uh, line that they're good. They're athletic. They're 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 good. But I think they're beatable, especially if Texas turns this into a game where Shapin's having to drop back. I think it's a chance for Texas to get home. So if the game plan and game flow goes the way I like it, Texas runs the ball well, throws it a couple times efficiently, gets some scores early, and forces Baylor to have to throw the ball. And if that's the case, they pin back their ears and they get two sacks or more. I like it. I like it. I like it. Uh, So I am Baylor has in all of their conference games, but one, the Iowa state win to start conference play has had at least one turnover. And that includes four games with two or more turnovers. So I think Baylor is going to turn the ball over twice against Texas. All right. Two turnovers. I like it. I like it. All right. So to recap, we have 150 yards and a touchdown for Bijan, plus two rushes of 20 for Bijan for Gerald, two sacks for Kyle for the Texas defense, and two turnovers for the Baylor defense. If all of those things happen, Gerald, that sounds like a surefire recipe for a win. 
to me. We've said it before, and we say it again. A lot of our pos- our, our Posterdamas picks are generally through the lens of things that Texas can do to win the game. So we'll be back on Friday, not Saturday, for our post-game live stream following the early kick against the Baylor Bears. We'll see you then on Twitter and Facebook. All right, Gerald, now it's time to take a look at the world through some burnt orange lenses. Let's start where we start every week, a little bit around the country. Uh, we just talked about, obviously, the crazy TCU-Baylor football game, but the rest of the Big 12, I think we were all sad to see West Virginia not able to get the uh, the, the senior night bounce and, and beat Kansas State, which would have really helped us. And again, we said we don't hate those guys, but 48-31, Kansas State just kind of romped West Virginia Tech. Uh, in an absolute just terrible game to watch, I'm sure. 14-10 over Iowa State. Uh, and then, uh, speaking of not being watched, maybe the lowest watched, lowest engagement, least national impact, even though one of the teams technically was ranked Oklahoma 28 to Oklahoma State 13, and Mike Gundy continues to just not have a great record in uh, Bedlam. The weirdest thing to me is that OU jumped out to a 28 nothing lead and had to sweat this one out. Like it felt like they were watching the Texas game a little bit where they just, they they put up four touchdowns and then just stopped scoring. And and after a summer of hearing that like Je- the Jeff Levy offense is going to be great, Lincoln who like it just it's just you you want to choke on the Schadenfreude a little bit. There's not a much better way that this game could go than Oklahoma State feels really bad and OU gets a win but still doesn't feel good about themselves. Like that's kind of the win-win that we're all looking for. Uh, in the SEC, speaking of wins, South Carolina, I think they get two wins for this one. Just stomped a mud hole in Tennessee, 63 to 38. And speaking of, of former uh, OU uh, associates, um, that that guy out east, I guess, uh, TBOE is what we're calling Spencer Rattler. I don't know, uh, who went to the other coast. Spencer Rattler went God mode against Tennessee, a playoff team. I mean, did, t- Gerald, if, if you told me you had a $5 bet on this one, uh, I would I would tell you you're, you know, a, a very rich man. No one, no one saw this coming. I think one of the voices I respect the most in college football discourse right now is Richard Johnson. I mentioned him. Uh, he writes for Sports Illustrated. He's on ESPN occasionally in the SEC Network, but he also, I mentioned the Split Zone Duo on Tuesday. It's one of my favorite podcasts. They just kind of, uh, the way they approach football is very academic and very, um, very nuanced, so I appreciate their their look at it. And he he said it in the season previews. Like, I don't know if South Carolina is going to be good, but Spencer Rattler is just too talented to not go supernova one week. And this was the supernova. Like, this was Spencer <laughs> Rattler um, just being at, like it, the kid just absolutely flat out bald. Like, there's no two ways around it. Like, he just blew up, and it was incredible to watch. Pa- pause. We also I want to say like. Hendon Hooker, I feel so bad for that kid. Like, yeah, absolutely. Um, non-contact absolutely. injury, ACL. Like, it was just, yeah. like he—he he was one of the bright spots in in this college football year for a lot of people, and it absolutely sucked that like he he blows his knee pivoting, fumbles the ball, and it just adds to the deluge that is what South Carolina is doing because they picked it up and then scored two plays later. It wasn't everything that could go wrong for Tennessee. Did go wrong kind of game, and yeah, I hate it for for Hendon Hooker. I don't like injuries for anyone. Um, ever, but I mean, a guy who's just fun to watch, who's putting up a Heisman caliber season, who you know was was really you know lighting up the NFL draft board. So hopefully, he can recover fully and go on with that. Another quarterback who you know has has been up and down the draft boards. At one point, Will Levis was potentially the uh, the number one quarterback pick 
people were saying, even over kind of the more known entities at Alabama and at Ohio State. But Kentucky offense didn't look like much. I know that Georgia defense is good, but somehow the Kentucky defense looked pretty good, uh, holding Georgia to just 16 points. They just nothing really happened. Uh, 16 to 6, UGA squeaks past. Kentucky, which is the exact opposite of Arkansas, just going uh, and bringing out the uh, Spencer Hall wampum stick, uh, 42 to 27 over Lane Kiffin's old mess. Uh, there was a lot of talk that Lane Kiffin was one foot out of the door already for this one, but I just think um, this is what Arkansas is built to do. Like they are Sam Pittman uh, in in player form. Um, and on the on the Kentucky game, quit extending coaches that haven't brought home trophies. Quit doing it. That's another one where they're going to be stuck with a terrible contract. And granted, Kentucky football is fine with like eight and four every year. But like, this is not that year. And you just extended the guy. The biggest rival for Kentucky football apparently is Kentucky basketball. John Calipari and Stoops getting into it on Twitter will always be uh, fun postseason, peak postseason. Um, Gerald, those were all good SEC games. But there were two more SEC games of note that we should talk about. First, we want to talk about Vanderbilt beating University of Florida 31 to 24 to ensure that they themselves won't finish bottom in the SEC. And Gerald, do you know who that means will finish bottom of the SEC? A team that couldn't reach three scores against UMass? That's them, Gerald. A 20 to 3 victory for the Aggies. Gets them their fourth win. They're they're crucial. Crucial. Four and eight. Four (laughs) and eight. Beautiful, 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 beautiful football game. Um, it was like nine degrees. It was wet. It was windy. Um, but there was a point like I love the Aggie. Like I love the mentality. They're just such a brainwashed, sick cult. There was like a group of people who stuck it out to watch the band do the same routine that they've done exactly the same for the past 50 years. That's like fine. It's it's not great. The Longhorn band is definitely better. Um, but to do their little precision band routine and then they left after the ban to not watch the football team for the second half. Like legitimately, legitimately, it looked like a youth soccer game attendance. Like there was a couple fans in camp chairs, you know, that they popped out on the sidelines. Like there was like 5,000 people in in their 100,000 person. It was, it was baffling. Like I looked at so many pictures and I thought it was Photoshop. Like it was wild. It's like a bad HBCU game, like watching them leave after halftime, except the HBCU bands are fun to watch. That's right. That's right. Much like the Aggie offense, the Aggie band is just not fun. They're 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 fine. They do the thing they're supposed to do, which is not like the Aggie offense. Um, but they're just not fun. There's nothing fun about them. If you've seen them once, you've seen them a hundred times, and really, you should never seen them once. Let's keep it moving, Gerald. Uh, a couple games, in Michigan. Just you know, good teams having tough weeks. Eeks it out against Illinois. I thought they were going to lose that one. Nineteen seventeen on the last minute field goal. Um, Similar to the the TCU eking it out against Baylor, uh, USC exploded uh, over UCLA, where you know points were, uh, were were not hard to come by. They they each got close to fifty in that one, but UCLA looks uh, likely to keep their playoff hopes alive. And again, weird how Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley are are, are still good, and it wasn't you know the the crimson on their shirt in the. Uh, Bubba's country cooking in that Norman's famous for or whatever uh, that, that, that made them good. Oregon also in that conference uh, got past Utah 2017. That looks to be the conference championship there. And then a sad one for people who root for Mac Brown, because he's a great guy who did great things at UT. Uh, he is just absolutely Colt McCoy or case McCoy, excuse me, run against 
Texas A&M in that last game is basically how Mac has run this season, just kind of stumbling and bumbling to great success all the way through to nine and one. It finally, uh, the rent came due and they fell to interim coach Georgia Tech 21 to 17. They, they shut down the Drake May experience and uh, yeah, it was tough days for Mac. Interim coaches get that bump sometimes and it it, it bit Mac in the keister. Can't always... Uh... Can't expect to win all your clunkers if every one of them is a clunker. Jared, we mentioned it when we were recording our Tuesday show on Monday night because it was going as we were recording. But we have uh, another Texas win. They improved 4-0 with a a Texas basketball win with a 73-48 victory over Northern Arizona down in the Valley. Again, part of the Leon Black uh, Classic. This was, you know, not, didn't need to be a close game, and it wasn't. Marcus Carr had a second consecutive good game, 17 points, four assists, three steals. Um, just looking like he's really benefiting from having another guard on, on the floor uh, with him. And, and um, Hunter was in double digits, Dylan DeSue, uh, 10. Timmy Allen, four points. He's basically had six in his past two games, hoping he gets it going. But he did have 10 rebounds. He does all the things uh, to make you win, which is which is great. Um and yeah, I mean, a good team win, 73 points, held them under 50, kind of did all the things you want to. Um, Three-point shooting was regressed from where we thought it was, but it was also better than the first two at just under 39, or uh, at just under 30% at 29. So maybe an answer to, are they a 39% every night shooting team as they did against Gonzaga? Probably not, but can they get that closer to 35? Can they be every night 33 to 35? Will be what we're watching the rest of the year. Um, one big piece of news, Gerald, I wanted to give. Asia O'Neill announced she's returning for her fifth year. She didn't participate with senior uh, day with the team and basically will be coming back uh, for that COVID year, fifth year. Um, she's eligible for, which uh, I think is fantastic. We get more Jermaine O'Neill at the games. We get more Asia O'Neill. That's such a, an incredible story herself, right? Um, and, uh, and she will be a featured key part of the team in the middle of that defense and uh, and offense. It's not you can never be upset by getting that force in the middle back, especially as you try to uh, refigure out what your offense looks like without Logan Eggleston having her back there for Texas is just is um, invaluable to Jared Elliott and that squad. Love that uh, softball uh, X's Janae Jefferson and Shannon Rhodes led Team USA to a nine zero sweep for a gold medal in the Pan Am Championships. Both of them. Hit well, played well. The whole team looked good. Team USA keeps their number one ranking in the world intact. And DeMarvian Overshin and Roshan Johnson both accepted invites to the Senior Bowl. So um, I think if you're like, you're not a surefire top 15 draft pick, it's good to go to the Senior Bowl. You saw it work out for guys like Taquan Graham. Uh, in years past. I mean, I think both of these guys. Puna Ford their, is a guy Puna, who made some money there. Absolutely. Great call. Um, and I think, um, like, the people who run that bowl are such respected voices. Um, Nagy and all of them. That, that, that This is, like, you go and you – it's it's a game. And you do well in the game. That's great. But it's the week of practice with scouts seeing you, with the guys who really, you know, GM's opinion, you know, they, they put a lot of stock in. Um it's an important game, and I think it'll be important for both of them, especially Roshan, a guy who has had to sit behind Bijan Robinson and, and otherworldly talent and has done everything 
it's been asked of him. He's he's likely him or Keelan, our two running backs, our best special teams player. Roshan had a hit stick on a on a kick uh, coverage a couple of weeks ago. Like just does everything, and I think you know. GMs will love him, but I think when people actually see him, when scouts see him running the ball as a proper running back, all the things he can do, they're going to realize like, oh, he's a lot more um, than, you know, Bichon's backup. And so I'm excited uh, for both of them to get a shot. And again, hopefully to uh, to hear their name called uh, in the draft in, uh, in a couple months, a couple weeks uh, coming up, uh, not not too distant future. Yeah, I mean, we, we've talked about how Roshan Johnson is going to be um, a guy who tests really well, who looks really well on that um, GMs are going to love. So I'm excited to see them uh, get the shine that they deserve. All right, Gerald, let's close it out. A little bit of Godzilla charm. What have you been watching on your giant screen? I didn't do a ton of watching this week. We uh, drove down, road tripped it over Saturday, and then we uh, we spent some time with family and all of that. So not a ton of watching. I listened to, uh, outside of the Texas football game, um, I mentioned months back that I started the Mistborn series. It was, a, it was a fantasy series by Brandon Sanderson, who's kind of one of the bigger names in fantasy. I just never, I never gotten into it because all of his stuff is really epic fantasy-ish um, as far as like scale. And I just like don't always have the patience for like a 40-hour audience book or whatever um but i decided to like just grit my teeth and do it and um it's been it's been good it's not been good it's has it's not as good as the original but generally uh middle books and trilogies are are uh, setting up a lot for the finale so um i'm in i'm into the final third of the book and I'm, I'm enjoying it so far um but that's kind of my big my big one for the week i love it um i it's it's the holidays i haven't watched too too much just we're hosting have a lot uh stuff going on um we finished peaky blinders uh which is great new season was great i I originally thought this was the last season i've heard there's uh there's a a film coming out there's a character that's based on um jfk's dad uh as like the american politically tied potential gangster person uh it's kind of funny when you remember how um certain dynastic families made their money um but uh great season um just a great show i I love the way it looks love the sound of it love everything um finished is the world cup is coming been watching soccer in a lot of my free time finished uh reading net games which i talked about by ryan o'hanlon it's a great book he's a great twitter follower during the world cup again he gives analysis but he also data uh driven stuff so if you like soccer you like data it's a good follow and, and again it's a great book um, so finish that up. Uh, and then our next show, we haven't started it yet, but wife and I just decided we're going to start Atlanta. Haven't watched uh, the latest season. So we're going to start back from the beginning and work our way through because that's such a just savor it uh, show. There's uh, like a fine wine. So we're, we're going to be doing that next. So prepare for some some Atlanta and Teddy Perkins takes. I'm excited for it, Kyle. I, uh, I, I've i saved up the final season. I'm going to binge it uh, here in the next couple of weeks, so we might hit it at the same time. But that's all we've got for you this week. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet? Oh, you can follow me on uh, twitter.com, as long as that site exists, at Kyle Carpenter, as well as follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer. Oh, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at GH Goodridge. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod, Facebook and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic. Or shoot us an email, Longhorn Republic Pod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. We will be back on Friday for our post game recap. We'll be live on Facebook and Twitter. You can catch us there. Uh, and then we'll obviously be back in your podcast feeds on Tuesday with our full game breakdown. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook them. 
Hook'em, and also Rock Chalk. Beat the heck out of those Kansas State Wildcats, Kansas. Have a happy Thanksgiving.